All right, if you've got a Bible, grab it, open it, turn it on, follow along on screen in your outline or the Central Church app on your phone. Um, Exodus chapter 2, that's where we're going to be at today. This is the last week of our series called Habits. And we spent the last several weeks talking about the five points of connection here at Central and talking about why they need to be healthy habits in our lives. Um, Quick review, week number one, we talked about attend regularly. And we said that's the habit of making church a priority. A priority, not just every once in a while, not just a once a month thing, not just when I feel like it, not a couple times a year, but it's the habit of making church a priority. And we said we need to get back in the habit of doing that. We need to lead our families well, um, and we need to we need just go listen to the message. It's right there, the habit of making church a priority. Um, week number two, we talked about giving generously. And we said that's the habit of giving back from what God has given to us. Week number three, Trevor was up here and Trevor talked about connecting relationally. The habit of experiencing life change by engaging in authentic relationships. And we said everybody needs to get involved in a connect group. And everybody needs to get connected. And one of the ways, again, you can connect relationally this week is you can help us stuff eggs. So sign up or show up at one of the nights that we're doing that. That would be great. But every single person should be involved in a connect group. Get plugged in um, to a connect group. Last week we talked about serving purposefully. And that's the habit of sharing my gifts and talents to further the mission of Central. And the mission of Central is to connect people to Jesus and each other. That's why we exist as a church. Um, there's lots of churches um, around. Lots of churches have different missions. Lots of churches have different ways about going about things. Um, the mission of this church is to connect people to Jesus and each other. Today, the final point is to invite boldly. And that's the habit of intentionally and personally. Those two key, or those two words are key in this, in this habit. Intentionally and personally sharing central services and events. Uh, I want to start today off, let me start today off with a, with another video clip. Check this out. I'll be inside in a minute. I want to say hey to Joe. Hey Joe. Hey Mike. Flower beds are looking good, neighbor. Yep. You guys just get back from church? Ah, yeah, yeah, just been at the church house. I wonder why he never invites me to church. I mean, I'd go if he asked me to go. But this is the way it is. I'm out in my front yard when he comes home from church. It's always so awkward. It's so awkward. And I'm so hungry. Ugh. I think my wife made goulash. I love goulash. Oh, maybe Joe would like some goulash for lunch. Hey, Joe. Here comes the invitation to church. Yeah? You want to come over for sure, a I'd goulash? Sure, I'd love to go to church with you. What'd you just say? What'd you just say? No, what? No, what'd you say? What'd no, you what say? you say? You said something about God. God, God. Goo. 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 Goulash. Goulash? Goulash. It's a... You're having goulash at your church? No, no, at my house. You're having, you're inviting me over for goulash? Yeah. At your, goulash? Yeah, who doesn't like goulash? I'd like some goulash. Yeah, sign me up, goulash. I'll check and make sure we have enough. I see you walking away.
Now, that's, that's funny, um, but I wonder how many people like that we have in our life. Somebody that, that we know personally that wants to go to church. And listen, I'm not, this morning, I'm not, I'm not saying you, I'm saying we, because I'm in this boat just like you. I wonder how many people we drove by this morning on our way to church who are just like that. I wonder how many people we're going to sit in an office with tomorrow, share some workspace with, that are one invitation away from coming to church and hearing the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. I wonder how many people we're going to go to school with tomorrow, sit in class with, that are one invite away. In the video, he just wanted somebody to ask him, hey, want to come to church? Would you like to go to church with me? Every single one of us in this room has that person in our lives. And that person is who we're going to talk about today. Listen to me. You and I are called to reach out to this world. And the people that we are called to reach out to are the people that we already have ongoing relationships with. We're called to invest in those people and not just invest in them as friends or, or, or I mean, as projects, but as friends in order to hopefully see them come to know who Jesus Christ is. And that oftentimes happens as we begin to invite boldly. But so many times we get caught up in our own little world. You know what I'm talking about? You get caught up everything that's going on around you that we forget what's most important to us. I think one of the struggles that every one of us in this room who say that we're Jesus followers, one of the, one of the things um, that we face, it's a struggle is we get so distracted by our culture because there's always something to do, isn't there? You got to go somewhere tonight, tomorrow morning, you got to get up, you got to get the kids ready to go to school, you got to go to work, you got the meeting, you got the deadline, you got to stuff eggs, then you got soccer, you got booster club, you got baseball, you got softball, there's a show on Netflix, and you got to watch every single episode tonight. Like there's just so much going on, and we get involved in all of these other activities. And one of the things, one more time, is that we forget that there are people in our lives, just like the clip you saw, who live in our own neighborhoods, who we have personal relationships with, who we do life with every single day. And we'll talk to them about all of those things. But this right here, church, is the only aspect in our lives that we're unwilling to talk about or share with them, which I believe is a tragedy. How about you? L- listen, one of the things that you and I have got to go ahead and wrap our minds around is that if if we're going to be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. We need to understand and we need to buy into the concept of what matters to Jesus should matter to us. And being a Christian is not about establishing an agenda and then asking God to bless that agenda and get on board with our agenda. Being a Christian is seeking out the agenda that God has already laid out for us and us getting on board with that. And one of the things that Jesus said in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, he said, the son of man came to seek and to save those that were lost. So think about this. If Jesus came to seek and save those who are lost, and we're supposed to be followers of Jesus, then you and I, I think that we need to be obsessed at the very least with inviting people to church so they can hear the message of Jesus Christ. Reality is, like it or not, morbid thought or not, time is ticking, time is counting down. And we have a limited amount of time on this earth to make a difference. And we need to understand that life is short and hell is hot. And the biggest difference that you and I can make in somebody's life is talking to people about the faith that we have, about the life-changing relationship that we have with Jesus. 
Jesus Christ. And so the question I want you to write down this morning before we really dive in, the question I want you to wrestle with, the question I want you to think about the entire message. In fact, it's the question I can just ask and we can just shut this whole thing down and we can just go home because it's the most important question of the day is this. Who would you be willing to invite if you knew that God was in complete control? Like who? Who would you be willing to invite if you truly believe that God was sovereign, that God rules and reigns supreme? Like if you truly believe that, if you truly bought into that, if you truly understood how much control God really has, who would you be willing to invite? Because a lot of people will say they believe that God is in control, but you won't invite somebody to church because you fear about how they'll react. But you say, well, God is in control, but you don't really believe it. Who would you be willing to invite if you really believed that God was in complete control. Let's unpack Exodus. I got three points today, if you want to write them down. Three things I think we have to understand when it comes to our relationship with people who are far from Jesus and this concept of getting in the habit of inviting boldly. The first one is this. All of us need to understand that Jesus draws people to himself in his time. Jesus draws. I don't draw, you don't draw, the church doesn't draw. Jesus draws people to himself in his time. Um, when I became a Christian all the way back in 1997, um, I did a complete 180 and people thought I was weird. People still think I'm weird, um, but that's another message for another time. Um, I got so immersed in Christian culture and doing the, the Christian thing and being heavily involved in church that I forgot what my life was like before I met Jesus. And, and, and because of that, I began to look at people like they, people who didn't know Jesus, I began to look at them like they were doing life wrong. Here's what's crazy. People who don't know Jesus, if, if you're a Christian here this morning, let's be honest, people that don't know Jesus bother us sometimes, don't they? Like they, they get on our, our nerves, they frustrate us. And the reason why is because they don't come to Jesus the same way we came to Jesus. Or they don't look at us and they don't see how jacked up and messed up and crazy and, and out of control we were. And they don't immediately go, oh, I need to have what they have. And I need to follow the same, the same exact way. The reason is because Jesus doesn't draw everybody exactly the same. But we forget that. We've got to understand, if there are people in our lives that don't know Jesus, we've got to be willing to let them come to Jesus. However, Jesus wants to draw them. But understand that often starts with a simple invitation. Not only that, not only is it not in our time or in our way, but listen, we don't get to legislate the morality. We have to just be godly enough and mature enough to meet people where they are and talk to them about who Jesus is. Now, I know that's not popular to say because we're in the church and we should be telling everybody what is right and what is wrong. That's not what we need to do. We need to meet people where they are talk to them about Jesus, and let Jesus change them in his time, in his way. It's time the church got off its holy high horse and met people where they are and lead them to a place where they can meet Jesus and come to faith in him by being bold and inviting them in, right? And some of you are like, you ever going to get to the Bible? Yes, right now. Exodus chapter 2. Um, let me set up where I'm going with this. Um, if you read through the Bible, like if you start out, start out in Genesis, Genesis is great. There's a lot of great stuff in, in Genesis. God created heaven and earth, great stuff. All, all this stuff is happening. Um, at the end of Genesis, there's a family um, that's going 
down to Egypt. They moved to Egypt. There are 70 people. Um, Jacob is the leader. Joseph is one of his sons. Um, they go down to Egypt. We talked about that phrase um, last week. We talked about anytime you're going down, it's not good. Um, so anyway, um, 70 people, right? Well, the Bible says they began to increase and multiply. And as they began to grow, the Egyptians began to look at them and say, this nation is eventually going to get so big that they're going to overtake us. And so they said, we need to enslave them. So they enslave them. They, they put them in slavery. The problem is they put them in slavery. They just kept having more and more babies. It was crazy in the land of Egypt. They're having all these babies. The nation's increasing. And so Pharaoh, who is like the king of Egypt, said, here's what we're going to do. If we don't put a stop to this, if we don't put a stop to, to all of these, these people having babies, then, then they're going to rise up as a nation and they're just going to take us over. They're going to kill us all. And so Pharaoh issued a decree that all male Hebrew children should be killed. And so literally there would be people that when a, when a baby was born, if it was a male, They would immediately take it out and they would kill it. This is not a good time for a woman to be pregnant in the land of Egypt if you're a Hebrew woman. This is one of the most tense times ever. I'm telling you, it was bad. That's where we're going to pick up the story. The Bible says this in in verse 1. Now a man of the house of Levi married a Levite woman and she became pregnant. Normally that's good news, right? When a woman becomes pregnant, normally most of the time, it's very, 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 very exciting. You're planning things, you're gonna have gender reveal party, you're gonna do all these things. People get super excited and they wanna tell everybody. I remember the first time that my wife Mary got pregnant. I, I was I was excited. I wanna tell everybody, but she had me on a short leash. She said, you could tell two people. I was like, woman, you lost your dang mind. Like, how do I only tell two people? Like, how, how? And, and so she's like, you don't want to tell two. I'm like, that stinks. I can't only tell two people. And so I told everybody. And she was like upset. But, but I was crazy because I was excited. I wanted people to know. Normally, under normal circumstances, this is good news. But to the lady in this text that got pregnant, it was tense and it was scary. Because while there was some excitement and rejoicing in her heart that she was about to have a baby, there was also fear and nervousness and confusion as well. It was like that because she's like, what if I have a boy? What if it's a baby boy? Like if it's a girl, it's good because the girl is going to get to live. We find out later on in the text that she previously had a girl and the girl got to live and it was great. But she's like, if it's a boy, they're going to kill him. If I have a son, they're going to kill my son. And she couldn't run down the road and get an ultrasound and find out what it was so she could have gender reveal party and everybody knew. And so she's scared. And so she's nervous. Goes on to say she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. Let me promise you something. When she gave birth to that boy, her heart absolutely dropped because she knew they were going to kill him. This is not a good day. If you're a woman in this time period and you know they're going to come and kill your brand new baby, are you experiencing fear? Are you experiencing hurt and pain and confusion and frustration, right? Are you like, God, how? how? God, how can you let this happen to me? God, of, of all the people around, like, how? Like, God, why couldn't you let me have a girl? I will guarantee you that's what this mom is going through. Let's keep reading. She gave birth to a son, and when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. Don't miss this. There was something in her that came out of her that eventually caused her great pain, hurt, confusion, and frustration. And she was trying to hide it. 
She was trying to hide it and keep it hidden because she didn't want anybody else to know what she was going through. She didn't want anyone to see the source of her pain. She didn't want anyone to see the source of her confusion. She didn't want anyone to see the source of her frustration. And so she was trying to hide what came out of her. Let me stop and say this. You and I have friends and family members and coworkers and neighbors in the exact same situation. They're going through stuff right now that maybe you and I aren't aware of. But through just a casual encounter, we can begin to understand that there are people in our lives that are going through hurtful situations, painful situations, doubtful situations, fearful situations, confusing situations, frustrating situations. And that's where you and I have to understand that we're called to be a light to them when they're going through those dark places, right? Listen, I'm convinced the only reason that we're not zapped up to heaven when we receive Jesus is because there are other people that you and I have direct influence on, personal relationships with, that God wants to use us, you and me, as a catalyst in that relationship to bring them to Jesus, to boldly invite them. And you and I, we, we have to understand there are people around us going through painful situations. And again, we have the opportunity to invite them to church and church events where they can encounter the risen savior. Let me ask you this question. You can write this down. This is not in your notes, but this is, this is huge. If you really believed Jesus changes lives, like if we really believe that Jesus changes lives, why don't we invite more often? Why? If we really believe That Jesus, only Jesus can change somebody's life. Only Jesus can make somebody brand new. Only somebody, or only Jesus can take somebody who's broken and put them back. Like, like honestly, if we truly believed that Jesus changes lives, why don't we invite more often? I'm telling you, if you and I, if we will open our eyes, we have people in our lives that if we would just open up to them and tell them who Jesus is or invite them to church are wide open to it because of what's going on inside of them. Because maybe they're trying to hide it from us, but eventually it comes out and they get desperate. And God uses that. What? Watch this. The Bible says she's trying to hide this. And look in verse three. But when she could know or when she could not hide him any longer, because there will be a time when we cannot hide the pain any longer. And, and I want to say this, and, and I'm just I'm just throwing this out there. This isn't the text. This isn't the part of the message. But I want to say this, and I want everybody to hear it. There will also come a time when you can hide the sin no longer. Just, just throwing that out there. When she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she picked the child, or she placed the child in it, put him among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Now, some of your moms are saying, I would call DHS. <laughs> you do not take your kid, put him in a basket down the river. This is like, be like taking your baby out to Swan Lake, put him in a basket and just kind of pushing it out there. Maybe not the same because it can't float all the way down the river. I don't know. That's a bad analogy. But anyway, why would you do that? Why would somebody do that? Well, this woman was desperate. She's like, listen, they're they're, they're, going to kill him. I've got to do something. I've got to take some kind of action. There was a sense of urgency in her to move, to do something. And I don't know about you, but I have seen people, when they get desperate, do some crazy, crazy, crazy things. And this is what I believe, and I believe with all my heart. I believe you and I have friends and family members and coworkers and neighbors in our lives who are at the point of desperation. 
And you and I need to intervene because if we don't, they could possibly wind up making some life-changing decisions, some bad decisions. And you and I, all we have to do is understand the people in our direct path have been put there by Jesus. And we need to be open to sharing with them and boldly inviting them in. And it's amazing what happens when we watch God do that. Number two, we need to really trust that God is in control. We do. The question, who would I be willing to invite if I knew that God was in control? We need to believe that. We need to live that. And we need to fully trust that God is in control. I know what some of you are thinking right now. You're like, all right, man, this is the message on invite boldly. I know what you're trying to do. This is one of those sermons where you tell us to go out and fill the seats, get people in here, bring in the church, invite boldly. Easter is coming up in a couple of weeks, yada, 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 yada. But you don't understand, Ryan, I've tried. And I'm frustrated with my friend. I know. I get it. I am too. I know there are people in this room that you've invited. You've written names on the wall, people you want to come to see Jesus. And right now you're like, I've done it before. I've done it. I've invited. I've invited. I've invited. I've played this game. I'm frustrated. I know. Listen, I've been frustrated with the people too. Every one of us in this room get frustrated with people. And I understand when it comes to Christianity, when it comes to inviting, it kind of feels like you're hitting a wall. You kind of feel frustrated. But we have to be careful because sometimes when people who are close to us, and this goes goes back to the, the idea of us forgetting what it's like after we've been so far removed from meeting Jesus and we've been walking, we've been taking our next steps, we've been doing that, and we forget what it's like, what our life was like before we knew Jesus. Jesus, right? And so sometimes when people close to us don't act or react the way we think they should act or react, we wind up pushing them away instead of push, pulling them in and allowing God to work in their situation. Like we've got a friend who doesn't know Jesus and we want to go to them. We would say, listen, you're doing it wrong. You're living wrong. This is wrong. You got to do this. You got to do that. And what we wind up doing is we end up pushing them away, right? Instead of just saying, God, you've put me in their life at this time. For this reason. And God help me, help me to be a light. I'm gonna be open to conversations. I'm gonna trust you to do the things I couldn't even do in the first place. Because guess what? Little secret. We don't do the saving. God does. There has to be a time where you and I, when we're so burdened about people coming to know Jesus, that we completely trust that person in the hands of Jesus, and we follow Jesus' lead, and we simply boldly invite them. Look at this, verse 5. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. Look at this. She saw, this is Pharaoh's daughter, she saw the basket among the reeds and sent her slave girl to get it. This is a problem. This is a major problem because who wasn't the first place that issued the order that all the babies should be killed? It was who? It was Pharaoh. The Pharaoh had issued the order that all the male babies were to be killed. So the number one person, if you're his sister, we later find out his sister's name is Miriam, all right, and you're standing in the distance, the person you don't want walking down to the river and finding the babies, number one, is Pharaoh, but number two would probably be Pharaoh's daughter. Right? That's, that's not good, is it? Think about it. You're over in the bushes, you're watching at a distance, and you see the daughter of the man who had issued the decree that all the babies are to be murdered, and you're going, this is not good. Because you know what's going to happen. Your, your baby brother is about to get killed. She's going to walk over, she's going to open up the basket, she's going to look, there's a male Hebrew baby in there, and she's going to go, get a soldier. 
Get somebody down here. Let's kill this baby. Daddy said this baby needs to be killed. And we're going to do what daddy says. From the outside perspective looking in, you're going, there's no way this could turn out right. Listen to me. If you're here this morning and there's somebody in your life that you have constantly been reaching out to and trying to win to Jesus or invite them to church and you seem like you're hitting a wall, I know what that is like. Because you're like, this isn't looking good. I invited them to church and they went out and they got drunk. I invited them to church and they went out and they did this. I invited them to church and they went over here and they did this. I'm telling you, you and I have to get to a point where we say, God, I trust you. I completely trust you. I'm not going to try to be you. I'm just going to trust you and let you use me to reach my friend, to reach my family member, to reach my coworker, to reach my neighbor for Jesus. We've got to come to the point, church, where we trust God. Years ago, I've, I've told this story in this church before. Maybe you've heard, maybe you haven't. But years ago, uh, I had a construction business, and there was a superintendent in a subdivision that I worked in. His name was Rob. And, and I would tell Rob about Jesus every single day. Like, every time I saw him, I shared the gospel with him. And, and, and he would always be like, yeah, I need to do that one day. Every week, every single week, I would talk to Rob about Jesus. And every single time, he would say, yeah, I need to do that one day. Well, one day he said that, and I got so frustrated. I was like, Rob! You're going to hell. Like, do you understand hell is hot, burn forever, all eternity? You get that? And he looked at me and said, yeah, I know. That's not going to be good, is it? I'm like, no, hell no. Like, that's not going to be good. Hell is not good. He's like, I know. I need to, I need to do that one day. And I remember so frustrated with Rob. And I remember like getting in my truck and driving away and go, God, we just helped Rob to get it. Why can't Rob understand? Why can't he just cross the faith? Like why, 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 why? I remember being to that point that all of us in this room are at. You're trying and you're trying and you're trying and you're trying. And from an outsider perspective, looking in, just like Miriam looking at the basket, you're going, I don't understand. Situation doesn't look good. He's going to die. He's going to be lost for all eternity. But we've got to trust God. Because the Bible says in verse 6, and this is where it gets a little bit crazy. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying and she felt sorry for him. Felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. You have an Egyptian princess right here feeling sorry for a Hebrew baby. I'm telling you. The only way that that happens is God got involved in the situation. You and I, when we're trying to reach out to friends, to family members, to coworkers, and neighbors who don't know Jesus, we've got to keep at it and keep at it and keep at it and keep at it. Saying, God, I believe that you're fully involved in this situation. I'm going to be faithful because, God, I know that you're faithful and I'm going to trust you. Go back to Rob for a second. I remember one day. I rolled up to a job site and Rob comes up and he's like, you'll never believe what happened to me last night. And I was like, what? He said, I got saved. I was like, when? He said, last night. I, this is what I said. Why? <laughs> and he goes, I met somebody else just like you. And I said, what the heck is that supposed to mean? He's like, this guy was preaching in the Bible and everything. And he was telling me about Jesus. And I just figured God was trying to get my attention. And so I got tired of running and I gave my life to Jesus. I'm a Christian now. I'm not going to hell. And I was like, that's, that's awesome, Rob. Good for you, buddy. And I remember driving away thinking, God, that was my win. 
Like, that was for me. Like, I was, like, Rob's supposed to be, like, down on his knees, crying, bawling, repenting in front of me. I'm supposed to hear all of his sin and all of his confession and all of his, like, I'm the one who had done all of that work. And that's when I realized that God, in his time and in his way, will draw people to himself. And God has a time and a place for everything. You want to be theological about it, it's called an effectual calling. I, I don't have to be a part of it because he is in control. I just have to go, God, I want to, I want to understand the world that you put me in. Even though I don't understand it, I want to understand the world you put me in, the people that you put me around. And I want to trust that you're in complete control. We've got to church. We've got to understand that God is in complete control, which brings up the last point. It's time to act, time to take action. Once again, go back to those opening videos. How many people did we drive by this morning? How many people are we going to encounter this week that need to come to church, that need to hear about Jesus? In Carroll County, the amount of people that say they're a part of a religion but don't go to church is staggering. And overwhelming statistics show that, I know you heard 80%, um, and that's for something totally different, but statistics show in our area that 40 to 50% of the unchurched and de-churched people, all right, unchurched people, people who don't go to church anywhere, de-churched people, people who are part of a religion and got sick of church or got burnt by church, and so they don't go anymore, like they were in church, now they're de-churched. That's what those two terms mean. So combine those together, that's where we get the 40 to 50% of unchurched, de-churched people said they would come to church next Sunday if somebody they know, somebody they personally know, would simply invite them. If somebody would simply take the time to ask. Listen, we've got, we've got people in our schools, people in our offices, our families that are going through tough situations. And you know what we do as Christians? This, this is what we do. We go, well, I know they're going through a tough time. I'm just, I'm just going to pray for them. Christians have used prayer as an excuse for inactivity for way too long. Because what some of those people need more than our prayers is our action in their lives. Y- y- yes, let's, let's pray for them. I'm not discounting prayer. Let's pray for them. Yes, but they need us bringing them to a place where they can hear the life-changing message of Jesus Christ and they can encounter a living God. So why don't we ask? Why don't we invite? Is it because we get so caught up? We get so caught up in our own little world so often Think about it. What if people really were asking, why don't you ask? Why don't you invite me to church? Why have you never asked me to go to church? Why have you never invited me? How many people are there in our lives today, right now, that are at the point where they just want somebody to ask them, hey, what's going on in your life? Hey, how can I pray for you? Hey, man, would you you like to come to church with me? Hey, why don't you come to church? Why don't you sit with me at church? Some of you are like, well, that's being nosy. Actually, that's being godly. Let's finish the story because it ends great. This scene is unbelievable. Verse 7, then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Don't don't miss this because this is huge. Nurse the baby for you. Miriam, she'd been, she'd been standing at a distance, right? The Bible says earlier she's standing at a distance. All of a sudden she sees Pharaoh's daughter 
And she sees her heart moved and she moves in. She took action. She didn't stand there and say, well, I'm just going to stand here and I'm going to pray for the situation. I'm going to call my pastor and have my pastor come down to the Nile River and I hope my pastor can pray for her and pray over her. She didn't do any of that. She said, hey, I see God is working. I see something's happening here. And she came out of hiding. She was no longer standing in the distance. She came out of the bushes or wherever she was hiding. She walked up to the princess and she said, hey, I see you got a baby. Do you want me to go get somebody that could take care of the baby for you? Because I can see that you can't. Oh yeah, that'd probably be a good idea. Why don't you? Came out of hiding. Listen, if you and I are going to be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ, then we have to make the decision at work, at school, in our family, in our neighborhoods, that there's got to come a day, there's got to come a time, there's got to be a way that we come out of hiding and we embrace the fact that Jesus Christ has called us to reach the world. Coming out of hiding means taking a chance and inviting. Coming out of hiding means taking a risk. Inviting boldly requires oftentimes us taking a chance and taking a risk. This girl right here, Miriam, she could have been killed for this. But she said, there's too much at stake. There's too much. And I'm not going to stay on the sidelines and watch this happen. I'm not going to watch my baby brother die. I'm going to get fully involved. And as I referred to earlier, bringing your friends and family members to Jesus, inviting them does not mean calling our church and asking our church staff to go see your friend. That, That is not a that is, that is not a loving or meaningful relationship. But for far too long in the church world, that's the way it's been. Pastor, my neighbor is home. Get him. What? You have a relationship with them. You know them. You talk to them. I, I one time, I probably told this story before too, but it illustrates this point really well. This guy one time said, hey, my dad's sick. We pray for my dad to receive Jesus. I said, nope. He said, What? Why? I said, because you have been asking me to pray for your dad to receive Jesus for years and years and years. And you have never one time shared Jesus with him. I'll tell you what. You tell me when you're going to share Jesus with your dad, when you're going to invite him, and then I will pray for you to have the boldness to share Jesus. Then I will pray for him to receive Jesus. But if all you want is my prayer and you're not going to put forth any action, leave me alone. And you say, well, that's harsh. Listen, stop using prayer for inactivity. Stop using prayer as an excuse for inactivity. Knock it off. If we want to reach this world, yes, let's, let's pray for it. That's, that's great. But then let's put feet to our prayer. Just like Miriam. She came out and she said, you want some help right there? And look what God does. Look what happens when, when action is taken. It's, it's amazing when God gets involved in the situation, how beautiful it turns out. Verse 8, yes, go, she answered. And the girl went and got the baby's mother. That's kind of cool. I know somebody, wink, wink, <laughs> take care of the baby. She's like, go get somebody. She goes and gets the baby's mom. Watch this. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. Pay the mom. Need a job? Economy a little rough. Gas price a little high. I'll pay you to nurse your own baby. Isn't that crazy? So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. Named him Moses. And Anybody in here with any knowledge of the Old Testament knows Moses eventually became the leader that said the nation of Israel free. This is what I'm telling you that I believe. I believe with all my heart that some of the biggest Christian leaders that are ever going to walk the face of this planet haven't even come into the kingdom of God yet. But until you and I 
are willing to come out of hiding and taking a chance and ask people, people we say that we care about, until we invite them, the people we say we care about, and ask them where they stand with God, the people we say we care about, and, and where they stand with Jesus, the people we say we care about, until we take that kind of risk and invite the people we say we care about, I believe God will not allow our hearts to be content. So here's the question I have for you to end this. Same question I asked you at the beginning. Who? Who would you be willing to invite if you knew God was in complete control? Who? Because here's, here's what's funny. As I preach this message, the people that you know that need Jesus, the people that you know you need to invite boldly, those people have, to- have popped into your mind. And that's the reason why I asked the question at the very beginning, because I really wanted you to think about it through the message. You probably didn't hear anything else I said the entire message, because that is on your mind. In fact, several of us thought of multiple people. Who is it that keeps coming to mind? I need to invite so-and-so. I need to invite so-and-so. You might need to invite them again. This might be the 15th, the 17th, the 200th time you've invited them. I don't care. If God has put somebody on your heart, you need to invite them. Who is it? Who is it? Claudia is going to sing a song, and we're not going to stand, and we're not going to sing along. I want you just to listen. And, and while she's playing it, I want you to write that name down on your paper, on your outline. I want you to write it down on a, in your Bible. I want you to write it on your hand, or I want you just to remember it in your mind. Who is it? Who is it? Who would you be willing to invite if you knew God was in complete control? Because here's a little secret, church. God is in control. And God is wanting us to reach into their life and invite them boldly. It's time to intentionally and personally invite them. It's time to get into the habit, all of us, of inviting boldly.